What a vision it is. What a vision it is to be together. I'll tell you what, this has been a great day. Earlier today, we had uh, seven people trained to be marriage mentors in our church. And now tonight, we get to gather as a church, lifting up the name of Jesus and then holding up his word. Will you remain standing for me as we read from Ephesians chapter 4? Tonight, we're going to be in verses 7 through 12. Listen now to God's word. Here's what the scripture says. It says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Verse 12, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. We'll stop right there. Middle of a sentence. We'll pick up next week. Stop right there. Have a seat. And as you have a seat, Stephen, as he was uh, sharing today, he said, welcome to November. And we all know what that means, right? We, mean, we know that means Thanksgiving's coming, coming, and it means that we have to start our Christmas shopping, right? Now, uh, I always like to see who here has already begun their Christmas shopping, right? So I went into uh, one of my kids' rooms. I'm not going to say which one, but um, I saw they had like a dozen presents already wrapped for Christmas, right? I saw that this week, and I was like, you are insane, child. But some of us, we... We love the Christmas season. We love the buying and giving of gifts. We, we, we subscribe to the, the, uh, the, the phrase, it's better to give than to receive, right? Some of us, we maybe like the receiving part a little bit more, right? We like, we'd much uh, rather receive a gift than give a gift. Uh, I see some smirks there. I won't make you uh, out yourself and raise your hand. But, but when we start thinking about gifts, we start thinking about Christmas. Christmas is coming. It's right around the corner, Right? But today's passage, we're going to see that Christ himself, that Christ is a gift giver. And we know this often, and, and oftentimes around Christmas, we talk about this, and we talk about the gift of Jesus, right? Jesus gives himself, but today's passage, today's passage shows us that Jesus, he doesn't just give himself to us, but Christ, in his gifting nature, Christ gives gifts to believers. And what we're really going to see today is that Jesus himself, he gives gifts to his church. We're going to look at what that is today. And so today what I want you to see, our big idea, is that Jesus, he is the victorious Christ distributing gifts. We're going to look at Jesus. We're going to be amazed at Jesus. And remember where we are in this kind of multi-series journey through the book of Ephesians. But the first three chapters, we've seen all of this incredible doctrine, who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And now the last three chapters, it's not that it's barren of doctrine, but rather it's applying the truth that we've looked at. And what we're going to see today is the application is Jesus, he gives gifts to his church and to people. In fact, the gifts that he gives us, they set us up for what's called the work of the ministry. And in fact, if you see the title of today's message, as we are learning how to walk worthy of Christ, the title today is to walk in the call of ministry. So with that said, if you haven't opened up your Bible yet, would you open up your Bible? Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. Chapter 4 is picking up in verse 
7. And, and as we pick up there, I want us to remember the theme of chapter 4. If you got your Bible open, I want you to see back up to verse 1. Verse 1 says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you, plead with you, appeal to you, here it is, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Now, we talked last week. This is our theme for this, this chapter 4. Walking worthy or walk in a manner worthy of Christ. And we define worthy. You guys remember the, the scale? To walk worthy of Christ is this picture of there's a scale, and on that scale, you have the life of Christ and you have your life. And this scale is meant to, it's meant to balance out. It doesn't balance out because you're perfect like Jesus, right? It doesn't balance out because you're earning God's approval. No, that's been made really clear in the book of Ephesians. There's no way that any of us can ever earn God's approval. Instead, we are those who have received forgiveness. We are those who have received new life. We are those who have been saved by grace through faith. And because of that, we walk in a brand new life. And that new life, it's described as what? Walking worthy. Bringing the equilibrium of the scale to balance so that the kind of life that Christ lived, it, it's revealed in the kind of life you live. And last week we began and we said, first of all, if we're going to walk worthy of the call, we have to walk worthy, do you remember, in unity. If we're not united, we can't walk worthy. If we're not united, if we don't care for each other, if we're not so committed to each other that we're willing to do whatever it takes to love each other and to make peace with each other and to walk with each other and grow with each other, if we don't have that kind of unity, we're not going to walk worthy of Christ. This means that you and I, that we have to make sure that we are so sensitive that there's no rift between you and I. There's no rift between you and another believer. There's no bitterness. There's no grudge. There's no, oh, they stepped on my toes. Oh, they upset me. And so I'm going to hold this against them. No, we have to walk in unity. If we're going to walk worthy of Christ, your scale won't balance if you don't walk in unity. But now the text continues. The text continues, and instead of simply walking only in unity, today we're going to see that we're to walk in, in ministry, in this call to serve. Now, to get there, it's going to take a little bit of time. This is one of those sections where Paul, he, uh, even though most of the theology happened in the first three chapters, this is one of those sections where he, he hearkens back to some of it and, and introduces some new concepts. And so let's jump in here, and let's talk about Jesus and the way he gives gifts. If you look at verse 7, the first thing you're going to see tonight is that Jesus, he gives gifts according to his determination. I mean, it's like when, uh, when you have a birthday. You have a friend that's going to have a birthday, and you're thinking, what am I going to get them for their birthday? Maybe it's a friend that you know really well, and you think, I am going to find the perfect gift. Maybe it's you're invited to someone's party, and you're not really sure what to get them, and so you get them a gift card, right? Like, who gives Amazon gift cards when you don't know what? Okay, most of us know what that's like. But Jesus, when he gives gifts— he gives gifts according to his determination as he knows you and as he's saved you and as he has a purpose for you. Look at verse 7. It says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, this grace, 
This is the grace that is considered the favor of God that's not deserved. And contextually, this is not the grace to be saved. Rather, this is the grace, this is the empowerment, this is a gift. This gift, this grace is a gift so that you can do what God's called you to do. When this says that grace was given according to this gift, this is, simply speaking, this is Christ looking at every one of us and saying, I have good works for you to walk in, Ephesians 2.10. I have things that I have called you to do. I have designs and plans for your life that are different than the designs and plans I have for someone else. And because of that, I am going to give you just the right kind and just the right amount of gifting or grace so that you can do everything that I have called you to do. This is what we're talking about. When we say Jesus gives gifts according to his determination, this is what we mean. In fact, There's a few things worth noting here. First of all, I want you to see that we all receive gifts from Christ. Look at the text. It says, but grace was given to each one of us. Now, here's the significance of this. The significance is each one of us is referring to every single person that is a believer in Jesus Christ. This means that every single person who is a believer in Jesus Christ, Christ has looked at your life and he says, I've got something just for you. Now, sometimes we're really good at noticing maybe the public gifts, right? I I think, I hope I have the gift of preaching. I do it regularly enough that if I don't, I can fake it decently, right? Like, uh, I think... The Lord has called me to that. I, I, I'm pretty certain of that. And, and because I have the gift of preaching, I get, a, I get stage time, right? I stand in front of you most weeks, and my gift gets to be clearly displayed. And in, in our culture, we are really good at highlighting gifts that are public. And so sometimes because of that, some of us, we say, well, you know, I could never do that. I, I could never sing on the worship team or play a guitar. I could never be in front of someone. And so here's how we, our default thinking works. Well, they've got gifting, but I'm really not that important. No, don't raise your hand. But I'd be curious how many of us, how many of us have thought something like that before. So-and-so has this gift that's visible, that's public, that is used in front of everyone to see. I don't have that. I must not be very important. To think that way, I want you to understand that that kind of thinking diminishes Christ and his work in your life. See, Christ doesn't value the one who speaks publicly versus the one who serves behind the scenes one more than the other. Christ is the one who gave you your gift. Christ is the one who determined the good works for you. I didn't determine my good works and you did not determine yours. That means that he in his wisdom and he in his goodness, he gives each of us exactly what he determines every single one of us. Every single one of us. This means you're important. This means you have value. 
This means you have a, a significance within the church that if you do not understand that and you do not embrace that and you do not walk in that, listen very carefully, we're going to see this by the end of the passage, then the church is missing out. Regardless of whether it's public or a private use of your gifting. We all receive gifts from Christ. No, notice it says grace was given. This means that you and I, we're the passive people in this. This doesn't say we all earn gifts from Christ. This doesn't say we all uh, work hard enough until we, we've achieved a certain level of a gifting. So we all, or it says grace was given to each one. Birthday present. Here you go. Christmas present. Here you go. Spiritual gifting. That's what we're going to see. Here you go. This is a picture. In fact, this is, same idea is described in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's not going to be in your notes, but if you want to follow along, here's what it says. It says, now there are varieties of gifts, all sorts of kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them in everyone. Here it is, verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Here's what it says. There are a variety of gifts, but guess who's behind it? The same Spirit. There's a variety of ministries or, serv or, or service. Same Lord. There's a variety of activities, but the same God. This means that we, we all can have different giftings. We might do different things with those giftings. We might use those giftings in different kinds of ministries, but look, it's the same triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit working behind the scenes for the common good, for the benefit of the entire church. And, and so you have been given a gift, every single one of us, Secondly, Christ, not only do we all receive gifts from Christ, but Christ determines the gifts and how they are distributed. At the end of that verse 7 of Ephesians 4, it says, according to the measure of Christ's gift. This according to the measure, this is, this is Christ. He, he gives the gift and he measures it out and he decides and he is the deciding factor in this. He's the one that determines what gifting you receive. He's the one that determines what ministry you're to walk in. In fact, again, another passage, very similar, Romans 12, verses 6 through 8. Speaking of spiritual gifts, here's what it says. It says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Each of us have gifts that differ. According to what? The grace given to us. According to Jesus and his determination. He says, let, let us use them. And then it lists out some gifting. It says, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Now we can probably do an entire series on the different gifts uh, each one of these giftings, we can describe and we can spend a whole evening uh, learning about them. I, I want to give you a flyby 
But, but just look at even the ones listed in this Romans passage. When it's speaking of prophecy, well, we've, we've talked about that before. This is not talking about someone standing up here today with brand new prophecy, but rather this is talking about the authoritative declaration of God's word. When, when God was revealing his word, it was new revelation. Now that God has revealed his word, it is someone standing up and preaching it, right? That's what prophecy is. And this says it's service. Service is meeting the needs of others. Some of us are gifted in phenomenal ways. We have like a, a homing beacon on us and we see someone with a need, beep, beep. <laughs> we lock in and we serve and we meet their need and we care for them, whatever it looks like. It says exhortation. This is, this is the gifting of encouraging others. And I, I love people that have the gift of exhortation. I'm like, hey, let's, let's hang out and get a cup of coffee so I can just hear you talk to me, like strengthen me and, and give me courage to push me forward in ministry. It says if giving, this is generously supporting each other and the work of the ministry. It says leadership, this is giving direction and, and managing the flock of God, caring for the people. If mercy, mercy is administering care for people that are in need and that are hurting. No, someone that has the gift of mercy, they're the person that is, uh, they, they, they help someone who's going through tragedy and great difficulty and it's like they have just uh, this uncanny ability to, to connect heart to heart. These are just some of the varieties. And every single one of these is important. And every single one of these has a place. And if any of these are missing from a church, guess what? That church, it's weaker. And it doesn't grow into the church it's supposed to be. And so what we find here is we find that we all receive gifts from Christ. Christ determines the gift and how it's distributed. But, but I want us to remember the context here. Diverse gifts are given in a unified church. Let's not forget that this verse 7, it comes after last week's text. Verses 1 through 6, it says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Verse 2 with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Verse three, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. It goes on, it says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Let's just pause for just a moment because we're walking down this path of talking about how each individual has a certain gifting, but I want us to recognize your gifting, it exists in a context of community of the church, unified together, all working for the same purpose. See, what would happen if you discovered your gifting and you decided that your gifting was more important than everyone else's? You'd break the bond of peace. You'd become full of yourself. You would interact with arrogance and a self-importance that would hurt the church. It would tear down the community instead of the purpose of building the church. See, when we use our spiritual gifting, it's not meant to be about us. 
It's meant to be about the person that we serve. And so we begin tonight's passage and we see Jesus gives gifts according to his determination. He's the one deciding this. But, but then the text gets kind of, a, kind of a fun, actually. And the next thing we see, verses 8 through 10, is Jesus gives gifts as the victorious Savior. See, he's not just like, you know, okay, I think I'll, I think I'll give some gifts. There's actually this incredible, incredibly uh, historical context, uh, even calling back to the Old Testament. Let me show you what I mean. Verses 8 through 10. It says, therefore it says. Now, when the scripture says something like, therefore it says, you want to know what it's doing? It's quoting the Old Testament. It's, it's looking back to the, the first 39 books of the scripture. And, and all of the, the scripture that was pointing to the Jesus that was coming. So, so let's see what it says. It says, therefore, it says, he has ascended on high and led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Verse nine, in saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he has also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. Now, this is a quote. This is a quote from this celebratory psalm, Psalm 68. I want you to see if you can notice the difference between what Paul writes and what David writes in Psalm 68. Here's what Psalm 68 verse 18 says. It says, you ascended on high leading a host of captives in your train and receiving gifts among men, even among the rebellious, the Lord God may dwell there. You guys notice the key difference? Uh, Paul writes, says that Jesus, in his uh, descent and ascent, ascension, in his victory, he gives gifts. Psalm 68 says that he receives them. Now, I'll be honest, there's a lot of debate over why Paul quotes it like this. There's a lot of debate over why the Spirit inspires Paul to write this. And there's some incredible ideas uh, based in the Scripture of, of how this works. Some people understand that this, this picture of the victorious king, that's what the picture is. It, it's a king, and he has conquered his enemies, and he has captives, and he has all the spoils of victory, and he has all these spoils, and in receiving them, he's collecting his due, and then in giving them, he's blessing his own nation, his own people. Uh, some people uh, liken this to um, even like in Numbers, Numbers 8, when, when God actually, through rescuing his people, he receives, this is going to kind of blow your mind a little bit, he receives people, the Levites. Remember these Levites? This is the one tribe uh, that does not receive an inheritance. God receives them as his own people, set apart for a special purpose to be his Levitical priesthood, his servants. And then what does God do with the Levites? He receives them and then he gives them back to Israel as the people who lead them in worship. Now, hold on to this picture for a minute because what we're going to see in this text is that now Jesus is the victorious conqueror and he is giving gifts. He's giving gifts. Hold on to that. Let's return back to the, the outline a little bit. I want us just to clarify a few things before we return. 
First of all, Jesus, when it talks about him descending, this is talking about his incarnation. I mean, Christmas is right around the corner. What do we talk about at Christmas? But Jesus, the word became flesh. Jesus, born of a virgin. This is God in the flesh. Jesus, in his descent, he leaves the glories of heaven. And it says he descended, verse 9. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth. His descent was him coming to earth. And then Jesus, he ascended, he went up in his, in his exaltation. Verse 8 and verse 10, it says, Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Verse 10, He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. So, so here's what we have. I know we're saying descended and ascended a lot. <laughs> I'm surprised I'm actually sticking with it and not tongue-twisting too much, right? But here's the picture. Jesus, the second member of the triune God, who's existed for all eternity past, because of God's good plan and because of his love, Jesus came, lived a perfect life, died a sacrificial death, was buried, and then was resurrected on the third day, and then victoriously ruling and reigning, he now has ascended to the heavenly realm, and in his ascension, he has. He has given gifts. He's given gifts. The text makes it clear that he gives gifts to every single believer. But if we go back to that, Psalm 68 and Numbers 8, if we remember that God is a God who conquers and he receives gifts, specifically he receives the Levitical priesthood, and then God is a God who gives gifts as he gives the Levites back to Israel to be their ministers, this is where the connection happens. Follow along verses 11 through 12. Here's what we finally see. Jesus is the victorious Christ distributing leaders. Jesus doesn't just give gifts to individuals in his church. He does that. He and the Spirit together, they give a spiritual gifting to every single person in the church. Not only does he do that, but look at this. He also, he gives gifted leaders to, his, to, to the church. Look at verses 11 and 12. It says he gave them, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ. This is, this is beautiful. This is all part of his plan. See, see, when Jesus looks at every single church, he says, I'm going to care for every single church. This means that Christ supplies the leaders a church needs. Christ supplies the leaders the church needs. Verse 11 again, look at it. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherd teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. These four roles, these four roles, every single one of them, these are what we would consider leadership roles within the church. The apostles. In the New Testament, the apostles were those who had been, been with Jesus from the start. And, and they were those who were commissioned and they were sent out for the expanding of the gospel ministry. The apostles. Then it says the prophets. 
These are those who in the New Testament, they authoritatively, they declare God's word. And then you have the evangelists. What is the role of an evangelist? To do evangelism? No. To train the church to do evangelism. The evangelist isn't the one on the street corner. Maybe they do that. But their role, according to this text, the evangelist is the one who is helping every single believer be equipped so that they can share the gospel. And then the, the final description is pastor-teacher, shepherd-teacher. The, the, the connection here means this is talking about one role, the shepherd and the teacher. We would call this a pastor today. But I want you to see each one of these gifted leaders they're given to the church. Let me share This is kind of cool. When I came to Valley almost five years ago, the very first sermon I preached here before I was even your pastor, when Valley was without a pastor and they had called me and they said, hey, we think you might be a fit. And we started walking through the process. We started praying and we started considering. And I, I Got to come and I got to, you know, preach whatever I wanted is introduce myself to you. You want to know the text I preached? This text. And all those years ago, my message to this church was very simple. God will give you the right leader at the right time. Jesus is in charge of this. When this church was without a pastor, my role wasn't to say, okay, guys, I'm here. There's a new sheriff in town. (laughs) My role was to say, look, maybe it's me. Maybe it's someone else, but whoever it is, Jesus is going to orchestrate that. Jesus is the one who gives gifted leaders to the church. Now, this tells us what their job is. Each gifted leader, here it is, equips the saints. Look at the first few words of verse 12. It says, to equip the saints. This is the purpose of of a church leader. It's to equip the saints. Every leader has a role in preparing every believer to do what God has called them to do. Now, this word equip, it means to make fully ready. It's the idea of completing something or making it prepared for something. What does this look like? Here's what it looks like for a leader. A leader in the church, this means that they should know and care for the sheep. There's no such thing as a leader that doesn't know the people in the church. If there's a leader that doesn't know the people in the church, they have no right leading. (laughs) They have to interact with the people. They have to be part of the community. What else does this look like? This means the leader is to teach and train the saints. There's a strong component in leadership. Every leader, they should be able to come and say, this is, how, this is what's true, and here's how to do it. They should teach, and they should train. And then finally, the leader is to correct and challenge the saints. Um, a leader, that the only thing they ever do is say, like, hey, do whatever you want. That's, again, that's a leader that's not being faithful to the call. The leader takes God's word and they say, this is what holiness looks like. This is what faithfulness looks like. This is what productivity looks like. This is what it looks like to give yourself to the church as those who have been given Christ. This is what it looks like. But to what end? To what purpose? Well, each leader is to equip each saint. But continue with me in the text, verse 12. Each gifted saint is to do the work of the ministry. Look at verses 11 and 12 together. 
says, and he gave, I'm just going to kind of summarize, he gave gifted leaders, verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Uh, Simply put, people have said it like this before. This means that every member of the church is a minister. Now, we've talked about this before. In Ephesians 3, we talked about how every person in the church is meant to be a minister. Sometimes, in our 21st century American culture, we get it twisted. We come to church and we say, oh, Mike's the minister. And when we gather as a church, we all gather and we all are thinking that we're the spectators and there's one person performing. That is not biblical ministry. That is not what church is meant to look like. Rather, Every single member is meant to be a minister. Uh, one of my seminary, seminary professors years ago, he told me, he says, Mike, the last day you do ministry is the day you become a pastor. Now, he was, he was kind of exaggerating a little bit. But according to this, my job's not the work of the ministry. This doesn't mean I don't do ministry. But my primary job, listen very carefully, my primary job is to help you, every single person in this church, fulfill the calling God has placed on your life for the work of the ministry. Every member a minister. Are you an extrovert or an introvert? Doesn't matter. Are you young or are you old? Doesn't matter. Are you a man or are you a woman? Doesn't matter. Are you rich or are you poor? Doesn't matter. Are you a college graduate or are you a high school dropout? Doesn't matter. Every single member, if you have trusted in Jesus Christ, listen very carefully, you are to be doing ministry. There are no positions that play the bench in the church. This is what this text teaches This is the way it has been designed. Every member is to to do the work of the ministry. Look at the end of verse 12. For building up the body of Christ. You're you're to build up the body of Christ. We we looked at the passage earlier that said these spiritual giftings are for the common good. This is what it means. This means that every person at Valley Christian Fellowship should be engaged in some form of ministry that is making a significant impact on someone else in the church. I'm going to say it again. There's no riding the bench at Valley. (laughs) If you're part of this church, you're part of this church. (laughs) Church, we've said it numerous times. I'm going to repeat it again. Church is not a building. If you think church is a building, we've got to back up. Church is not a building. Church is not a worship service. When we say, I'm going to church, we think we're going to a building. We're going to a worship service. No. Church is the people. Church is the body. Church is you and I together gathered for God's purposes. Now, let me bring this together, the very end of this, with some practical applications. I just want to be very, very clear, very kind of like obvious, right? I want to state what the implications of this text are for for everyone in this church. Here it is. First practical implication. Gifts of leadership must be used to equip the saints. Gifts of leadership must be used to equip the saints. Are you a leader? Do you have an ability to inspire or to lead people? 
Do you have an ability to train people and, and to help people make progress in their life? Listen, if you are a leader, this means those gifts should be used within the church family for building up the saints. Maybe you're using your leadership gifting in your profession. Maybe you're a manager or, or some sort of leader at your job. Guess what? That's awesome. God's given you those gifts. I'm glad you're using them for that, but they should also be used where? In the church family. Maybe you're using them in community. Maybe you're a little league or soccer and you're coaching or you're, you're part of a board or maybe you're part of many boards and you're doing all these great things in the community. I'm thrilled to hear that. That's awesome. I'm so thankful and you should continue to do that. But according to this text, the gifting that you've received, it is meant to be used in the church to equip the saints. What you have, you have been given that by God. And he intends for you to use it in his church body. So gifts of leadership must be used to equip the saints. Secondly, all gifts must be used to build up the church. Maybe when I say, are you a leader? You're like, nope, <laughs> that's fine. Whether you're a leader or not, doesn't make you worth more doesn't make you better. That's not the point of this text at all. If that were the point of this text, the scripture would be contradicting itself. That would lead to disunity instead of unity. It doesn't matter if you're a leader or not. If you're not, that's fine. But here's the deal. You still have a role of service in the church. Remember what Jesus says. He says, the first shall be last. He, he says, the greatest shall be the least. And so it doesn't matter what your gifting is. What matters is that you use it. You know, a little over a year ago, my birthday, someone from my life group, um, they gave me, I'm just going to say it, and I think they'll forgive me, they gave me the worst gift ever. Here's the deal. My life group, I'm a baseball guy, and we have some folks in our, uh, in our life group that they haven't seen the light yet. And so they like soccer more than like baseball. I, I don't understand it. Like um, some people just weren't raised right. I get it, okay? Here's the deal, though. They thought it'd be really funny to give me a soccer ball for my birthday. And so they did. They gave me the soccer ball, and I'm so thankful. And the soccer ball, it has literally had zero use for over a year. It's basically been sitting in the same spot in my office, just kind of collecting dust, right? Thank you so much for this wonderful gift. I am never going to use it, right? Like, and it's kind of funny. They ask me every so often, hey, how's that soccer ball? I said, same as when you gave it to me, not even inflated yet. You know, it's like, it's kind of fun. It's playful. It was playful from them. It's playful for me when I say that. I'm, I'm really not picking on them too much. But, but I've been given this gift and it's not in use at all. And in a sense, it's kind of a shame, right? I should at least inflate it and go kick it around a little bit once to say I tried. But I wonder how many of us are treating our gifting like that soccer ball. You've been given gifts. The Lord has saved you. He has sealed you with this spirit. He has made you his own. He has placed you in this amazing thing, this thing called the church, and he has gifted you so that you can be part of building up the body of Christ. Are you using your gifts? Are you playing the position of riding the bench or are you involved in the game? Now, here's where I want to land. 
You remember when Andrew came up here and he welcomed us and he said, hey, look at these three cards. And many of us are part of Valley. We see those three cards every week. We have the welcome card, we have the prayer card, and then we have the put me in coach. Are you sitting on the bench? Or are you in the game? I'm going to ask you, would you grab that put me in coach card right now? Every one of us. Reach into your program, dig around, find it. Everyone hold it. I'm going to conclude by praying. And I'm going to pray that the Lord would lead you to get off the bench if you're on the bench. And he would lead you to get in the game if you're not. If you are, praise God. I'm thrilled. But church is like most organizations. We have 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. This is a call. This is one of those nights where we actually maybe make a step forward and we, we change our habits and we get uh, into the game and we do things different. I'm gonna pray for you. And if the Lord leads you to fill out that put me in coach card, I'm, I'm gonna ask you to do that. Not because I'm telling you, but if the Lord's putting it on your heart. Maybe you're not sure where you fit. That's fine. Just say, I'm not sure where I fit. We can help figure it out. But, but this is a call for you to recognize you have been gifted by Jesus Christ and you are to be part of building up the body for the work of the ministry. Let me pray for us. Father, my simple prayer this evening as we, uh, as we consider your word is that you would put us in. Lord, that you would help us to get rid of our excuses, all of the reasons why we shouldn't be serving, all the reasons why we shouldn't be leading. Lord, you would help us to recognize that those are all uh, the lies of the enemy trying to keep us out of the game, trying to keep us from building the church, trying to keep your kingdom from advancing, trying to keep people from being saved, trying to keep people from maturing and growing, trying to keep people from being encouraged and equipped. So Lord, tonight I pray that you would work in each individual's heart I pray you would give us a vision for what it looks like as a church where every member is a minister. And I pray you would give us a vision, each individual, for what our part is. Lord, help us to do it with faith, not fear. Help us to do it with humility, not with arrogance. And Lord, help us to do it for your glory. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.